All right, guys, welcome back to another crypto catch up. I'm your host today, Ted, and today I've got the one, the only, Mr. Pav Hundar. Pav, how you doing, brother? Good, mate. You don't have to do that every time, but. Yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> got to spice it up every time. At least I'm not calling you Pavel Levine this time. Uh, that's true. That's true. You have stepped it up or down. I, I'm not sure just yet. Yeah. After I had my chat with HR, I'm no longer allowed to call you Pavel Levine. Yeah. Because you reported me. Mocking me now because there's no <laughs> HR. It's literally me and you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. Pav, what's happening? Not much, mate. Um, How was your weekend? Pretty good. Sent it pretty large on Saturday. Put a stamp on it. Put a stamp on it. Yeah. Had a nice little lunch with some um, some friends of mine. That's good. And uh, as all good lunches do, it kicked on until the early hours of the morning. Nice. What about you? Something similar, I assume? Could say that. Uh, River fire. That was nice. Oh, yeah. That was Look cool. That. Yep. Saw the jets. Yeah. For okay. anyone that doesn't know, river fire was happening in Brisbane. So yep. a lot of fireworks and planes flying through the city. Not the river on fire, as you'd think. Unfortunately not. No. That would be pretty cool though. Yeah. Yeah. Bit hard to light water on fire, so we'll give it to them. Yeah, mate. Look, not, not much to really report. But um, markets. Yeah, mate. What are you seeing? Doing something. So we saw a big break last week. Key thing for us since we last all spoke, oh, we've got a lower low on Bitcoin. So that's starting to look a little bit grosser. So wouldn't be surprised to see some sideways action or price to start to slip away and try to find some support. I think there's a really high chance that we start to travel to at least 25K for Bitcoin. And then once we get there, we'll see if anyone wants to pick it up, pull it back up, or if we start to see it sell off a bit further and then we start to go to the next area of support, which I'd be sort of looking at somewhere around the 24 between 24 and 22,000 US. So, I mean, there is a big news week next week. So, you know, whatever slide we see this week, it depends how much velocity we get potentially. It could be continuation if we get bad news next week. So, for example, interest rates going up would be bad again next week. Or is that happening next week? That's happening next week. So, I mean, if that happens and we sell off now, there's a good chance we keep selling off. Or if they don't put them up and everyone's expecting them to go up, we could see a sell off now maybe setting up some sort of reversal, but I think we're still probably two weeks away from even having that discussion. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, not looking good. I would say that it's still some interesting action across some of the altcoins out there. So we're starting to see, you know, as we've talked about in the potty before, when Bitcoin starts to get indecisive or the majors in general, we start to see some of those altcoins, some of those micro caps start to pop. Mm. So we'll cover that in a little bit in our market movers little chat, but still some action in the markets, especially if you're playing it both ways too. So shorts are loving it. A lot of people just in spot positions on some of these micros. Love yeah, it yeah, too. yeah. So far, I mean, you mentioned earlier today that you had a big win on a short recently. Still open. Yeah, I was the, um, when the grayscale news hit, I sold that. Yeah. And I don't get you. You're, yeah. you're seeing stuff that I don't see, but uh, hey, it's good. Yeah, it's Teach good. me your ways. Yeah. So you shorted the market when Grayscale won their court case against the SEC. Correct. Why? Uh, it went right into resistance. I'm not necessarily a news-based trader. Okay. Um, so technically, I saw what I would refer to as like an order block. Price went right into that. Whatever price moves in a really exaggerated way as well, like we just went straight up really quickly, it usually means that you want the buyers to then be there right away to pick it up again. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, if, if there's a whole bunch of people at an auction bidding for something, and it goes up and up and up really, really quick. Like there's a good chance people will just walk away. They don't want to pay that same high price for it again. So same thing I saw in Bitcoin. Yeah. And that was like for me as well, a point where I had to stump up the least amount of risk as well. If I was wrong, I was wrong with a very short distance for Bitcoin to have to then travel and go higher. Yeah. But if I was right, 
you know, is potentially looking at new lows. So yeah, that was pretty much my thoughts. When are we getting this have Hondal indicator? <laughs> I just want to base all my trades off yours. You're killing it at the moment, bro. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, nothing there. Bit of a bit of a teaser. We'll see. Oh mate, you're keeping us on our toes. Yeah. So um, yeah, not bad. Not bad. Well, let's jump into the market movers. Yeah, like you said, a lot of lower cap altcoins have popped. Looking at the list here, mm-hmm. so Multichain, CyberConnect, Unified Protocol, Vulcan Forge, PYR. Not much news to report on Multi or Unify. No, I couldn't find anything. I mean, if any of the listeners can find anything, like obviously let us know. But um, for me, this could just be, again, a lot of these coins being in long ranges of accumulation. I mean, we've seen all of the, the higher cap coins pop in the last couple of months. So some of these just hadn't had their time in the sun, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. CyberConnect, a bit more of a newer token. So just sometimes that newer token just can have a bit more implied volatility to it. So that could be what's happening there. Yeah. Interestingly... PYR was probably the one I could find the most about. They're currently on a rampage, speaking at as many events as they can. And they've hinted at something pretty interesting. Their CEO, Jamie Thomas, who um, interestingly looks like Brock Lesnar. Does he? Yeah. Jesus <laughs> yeah. Christ. Uh, not as big, but he's got the same staunch look and just, that, just, that, just that haircut. What do you call that haircut? Crew cut. Crew cut? Yeah. yeah, yeah. What Can I see? <laughs> you want to chase him out? Bring yeah. Out. Just a slight tangent. Just to give you a little bit of a... You know, oh, yeah, he does. Yeah, right. Like he beat the shit out of both of us. Yeah, he hit, 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 hit you with the chair. Yeah. <laughs> but um, look, he had an interesting tweet up. Basically said, in a few days, 300 plus million homes will be exposed to Vulcan Forge and PYR. Whether they show an interest in blockchain gaming or it remains to be seen, but it's certainly a mainstream litmus test. We continue to fly the flag for blockchain gaming and innovation. The future is PYR. So Easter egg, walk with It's been a while since someone's dangled a carrot like this. So I'm pretty... That is a big fat carrot. Yeah. So I don't have any exposure to PYR, but I wouldn't be surprised to see that one potentially carry some legs if the market does hold on to a bit of a string here. What are we speculating? Microsoft... Xbox. Well, 300 million stations. That's what I'm thinking. Like, they've got to be on something like that. Yeah. Or, or at least like a partnering with some mainstream sort of gaming partner. Maybe not Microsoft. Microsoft's probably bigger than 300 yeah. million. Yeah. But um, be interesting, right? Yeah. So one to keep an eye on for sure. I think a, another element to this story, I'm not sure if it's having a huge impact on price, but just an interesting arc to it, mm. is a lot of negative news around Gala games at the moment. Yeah. You remember you were saying that today. Yeah. You can kind of, you can put Gala in the same category as Vulcan Forge. So both like, Gaming, gaming, yes. marketplace, marketplace, sorry, yeah. Gaming studio, yeah, and you know, obviously on blockchain. So yeah, there's two Gala co-founders, and one of them suing the other for token theft, essentially saying that they sold like you know eight billion tokens for a profit of 130 million dollars, probably in the bull market, I imagine. Yep, and he's taken him to court over it. So heaps, yeah, not fantastic news for Gala because Gala's a pretty strong project. I used to keep an eye on it a fair bit. Yeah. I mean, not to say this might be the end of it, but I mean, you're just trying to say people might be rotating into well, exactly. a bit more stability at the moment. Exactly. Fundamentally. It's not like, you know, one of the key things we look at when reviewing a token or a coin is how strong is their team. Yep. And so when the team's falling apart like this and taking each other to court, it's not a great it's sign. no deal. Yeah. It's not a great sign, but obviously there's other, yep. other factors to consider in this. Absolutely, mate. But mate, what are you seeing anything else? Or that's pretty much it for you as well? Or? That's pretty much it. Toncoin as well has been in like the top movers. They're releasing Tonspace. Couldn't tell you what that is, but saw that early today and thought I'd chat that out. So Toncoin's uh, yeah, having a nice little move there as well. Nice. 
But mate, let's jump into the news. Let's do it. What's happened since we last spoke? Yeah, I feel like all this news came out just after we recorded. And so despite our episode going live Thursday, like this news popped on Wednesday and looked like we were, you know, just missed the news completely, but it's because it came out after we recorded. So I just hope everyone understands that. But we'll cover off on it anyway, even though it's a few days late. Firstly, you might have already heard the seven Bitcoin ETFs were delayed by the SEC. Mm-hmm. So we've been harping on about these ETF applications, mainly BlackRock, which is the big one, yep. applying for the spot ETF, which basically means they have to hold actual Bitcoin as opposed to like a futures ETF. So it would likely have a big impact on price. Correct. But yeah, as to be expected, the SEC have delayed those applications. So not yet you know, rejecting them or approving them. They're just giving themselves a bit more time to review them. Yeah, I guess we expected this. I think the last deadline is in March next year. That's right, yeah. March, April. Sort of around that halvening we keep sort of joking about. Yeah, so- Interesting. You know, a few a few big dogs in the industry jumped into this one. So Anthony Pompliano, commonly known as Pomp, had a few things to say on it, as well as the former SEC chairman, Jay Clayton. But yeah, what they're saying is the SEC is in a difficult position between trying to encourage innovation in this blockchain sector mm-hmm. and also protect investors. The last thing they want is another repeat of the FTX saga. Right. So, yeah, like we we give them shit, have don't we? But oh, you have to. Hey, of course, of course, <laughs> we're allowed to. We, gotta, we got a podcast. We, we can't be hurt. Yeah, exactly. Or us. We don't yeah. have to be fair. Yeah, but at the same time, this point that Pomp and Clayton made about you know it's a tough yeah. position to be in, and yeah. and it doesn't just mean they hate crypto. It just means that you know they do have to keep an eye on, or they do have to protect investors at heart. Well, it depends who you talk to. Other people think that they're just filling their bags. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a that's a nice little conspiracy theory. I like yeah. that one. Why not? Let's throw it on the table. Chuck it in there. Chuck it on. But yeah, so it kind of related to the story as well. So early in the week, Grayscale won a lawsuit against the SEC for essentially denying it being able to convert its futures ETF into a spot ETF. Is that right, Pat? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. They've had one for a while now. Yeah. GBTC. And I think it's a bit of a, it actually makes heaps of money because they're owned by digital currency. Group. They were probably the main reason... The 2021 cycle lifted the way that it did, like at the very start. Like yeah. uh, you can look at like all of their holdings. It's right when price was starting to accelerate, yeah. just after October. So yeah. that was that was those guys. And I heard they're charging like two percent fee on yep. uh, this GBTC yep. futures ETF. So in terms of digital currency group, Grayscale is their cash cow at the moment, and they've got a bit to pay out in terms of their Gemini lawsuit. Yeah, it's an interesting one. We won't we won't get too Sidebar. far into yeah. that. Essentially, the court argued that the SEC failed to give reason for the rejection. So what this means now is it doesn't mean that the Grayscale ETF is automatically converted into a spot ETF. What it means is just that the SEC has to properly review their spot ETF application, yep. just like all the other ones, BlackRock, Fidelity, I forget all of them. There's heaps. There's- I can best all of them. Yeah, I can best. Yep. So- um. Mate, good news in that front, I guess. Yeah, it is. Well, unless unless you're pav and you short the market after you hear that. God, I hate you. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Everyone does. Well, yeah, jumping into some other news, I guess I'm covering all the lawsuits and the court cases today. There's a lot happening in that way. There is, especially this year. There's- but I think this one, I had no idea it was such a big deal till we talked about it earlier. So, Ted, mate, enlighten everyone. <laughs> mate, this is me seeing things that you don't see. That's great. This is why we're, you know, salt and pepper. Quick. <laughs> <laughs> That's us. Yeah. You can't have us without the other. Yep. I don't know about that one. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Uniswap, essentially, a trader took Uniswap to court stating that they're allowing token issuers to list like scam tokens. And basically, it's their fault for people getting scammed. Mm-hmm. Judge basically threw the, the case out saying, look, the liability is on the token issuer. But in this case, you know, 
scam token issuers are always anonymous for the yeah. most part. Correct. And so it looks like this person's just looking for someone to blame and that's Uniswap. So really good news in terms of the DeFi space. The judge actually claimed, and I like this one, claims it's similar to going after Venmo or Zelle, which are payment apps for a drug deal that occurred on the payment platform. Yeah, okay. So I like that comparison. It kind of puts it in like real world terms that a lot of us can understand. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think my opinion on this whole matter is we've seen a lot of good news come out of the US courts and the US legal system. So I don't know. It's interesting how they seem to be, you know, in favor of crypto in a lot of these cases, whereas, you know, the government and especially regulators have been a bit harsh. So it's good to see that, you know, there's push and pull there. Yeah, there's a little bit of common sense does prevail. Starting to see recently, I reckon. Yeah. Um, could just be a little bias. We start finding stuff like this. It pops out at us. But I thought um, some interesting wording was, um, it was this bit here. She went on to say that Uniswap's core smart contracts were not inherently illicit and regarding other coins were themselves able to be carried out lawfully as with the exchange of crypto commodities, ETH and Bitcoin. So linking that Ethereum, well, the judge basically in her words, linking Ethereum and Bitcoin as being commodities. Yep. So in itself doesn't hold a massive impact, but it's just interesting that as a part of the decision-making process, that was the definition that they went by to make Absolutely. To sort of make these rulings. And like we always talk about with these things, it's precedent. So yep. now that this has been sort of filed away, this yep. will be sort of referred to as a future. Absolutely. And I think this is the first time, at least that I've heard, that yep. anyone in this sort of position has called Ethereum a commodity. We've heard Bitcoin being referred to as commodity by, you know, even Gary Gensler in the past. Yep. But this is the first time I've heard Ethereum being labeled it. So it's interesting. really good news. And you want to know something else? Go on. This is the same judge who is presiding over the SEC versus Coinbase case. Oh, true. So for anyone that doesn't know, I'm all over it, mate. I'm telling you. For anyone that doesn't know, uh, the SEC has taken Coinbase to court over listing unregistered securities, mainly stating that a lot of the layer one tokens that they list are securities. Okay. Now, they haven't included Ethereum in that list, but you could almost say that a lot of these layer one tokens are very similar yep. to Ethereum. Ethereum's a little bit more decentralized in the way that it is and, you know, just the scale of it. Yeah. But when it comes down to, you know, the infrastructure of it, they're quite similar. So it's good to know that this judge has stated that you know, before yeah. actually going into that case. Sort of know. reminds me, we did it on a show previously where we looked into Polkadot coming out of the traps, talking about their stance in market was that they were a software mm. and nothing more. So interesting. Yeah, that's that's another take that I've seen. And and what does that mean for... They can't be security because they're a software. It's kind of that the... Are like, they saying that the platform itself is a software and then the token's something different? So the way that... Polkadot is meant to be this interoperable multi-chain mm -hmm. and the token is what backs that ecosystem. It's just more that that in itself is wrapped up as like a software is kind of was their pitch. Interesting. Yeah. So that, that was like their way to sort of navigate this space, I guess you could say. Yeah. yeah which yeah. was a bit different to what everyone else is doing. It's a tough one, isn't it? It really is. It really is. In other news, we have got some news on the Aussie front. A crypto bill that was put forward by Senator Andrew Bragg, been rejected. Now, this is an interesting one. It seems like it's obviously a mark against the successful regulation of the crypto industry in Australia. It's hard to know the, the true impacts of this one, but essentially the committee's decision argued that Bragg's bill was incongruent with international standards and could enable regulatory arbitrage. So it wasn't quite up to snuff with what the other frameworks that are being built around the world were looking to establish. Mm -hmm. So they sort of saw some holes, didn't feel comfortable in taking it any further. So whether or not 
what Senator Andrew Bragg was putting forward might be adopted in a different way, like a V2, as a part of like the overarching uplift of regulation of crypto in Australia. Yeah. It will be seen, but I mean, this is uh, definitely a pump in the brakes on crypto regulation for the for the industry here as well. So yeah, I don't think it's necessarily dire news. Like uh, you know, we're still moving ahead with regulation and legislation. Yeah, but yeah, I think it's the first time in a while on the regulatory front that something's happened. Right? Yeah, something negative's happened in Australia. Well, that is negative too. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. So yeah, we've actually had Andrew Bragg on the podcast before. We have. He's um, and we get him on and ask his opinion again. Yeah, maybe we need. I think he was too happy looking at. Maybe he'll just rant about this. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll just sit here for get popcorn out. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And other news, like there is a bit happening this week that I think we might have some stuff to unpack next week. But there's a bit of a global tour on crypto at the moment, so there's some big events uh, with some big names all speaking about projects. Just a bit of thought leadership and where they see the industry going. So I um, just wanted to shout out that it's Korean Blockchain Week, KBW. Yeah. So I mean, lo- oh, I'd love to be there one day. We'll see. What do you reckon, Ted? Maybe if we get it, would you apply us there? We might have to, you know, go into our own pockets for that one. Yeah, yeah. But look, there's a, there's a lot of big names here from investors space, just the different exchanges, all these different crypto projects. Some massive, massive names. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's some key announcements that probably come out of this that hopefully we could bite into and break apart for everyone next week if anything does come out. Yep. But it's ahead of some other big conferences like uh, 2049, which is like a another one as well that's coming up. I think that one's in Singapore. So... Yeah, it's cool. I think there's an XRP conference on the Gold Coast coming up. Might be next year, actually. Yep. But, um, mate, I'm surprised you didn't get the invite to this Korean Blockchain Week. You're, you're a bit of a... Nah, too busy to- toilet trading the two-year-old still, so... Damn, yeah. so you got the invite, you just couldn't go. Couldn't go, mate. Yeah, fair hands, hands full of pee. And obviously... <laughs> and you're obviously way too busy uh, doing the podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Mate, what else is going on? Is that about it? Right. I see you've got another point here about DYDX. Oh, yeah. That's me. Blind. Yeah, DYDX. Blind professional. I know. That's right. At least I'm consistent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll give you that. So a recent governance proposal to transition the DYDX token to have a little bit more use case. This is uh, looking pretty good. Uh, the community seems to be quite in favor of this one. So the idea would be that DYDX create their own layer one token, their own mainnet, and DYDX token then be used for things like gas fees, liquidity pools, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. So this one, in my opinion, could be one to put DYDX token back on the map just because, well, I guess it depends. I don't think the tokenomics and how it's issued will change, but the actual use of it would potentially increase. So there could be a potential value narrative there. And yeah, just to point it out, DYDX is still a country mile ahead of all of the other petrol DEX trading assets like GMX is out there as well. There's a new ones like Quenta. It's still like two to three times bigger in terms of market cap. So, I mean, they're already sort of leading the charge in that space. Yes. Yeah. I didn't mind it. Yeah. UI, pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's yeah. pretty easy to use. I want to check it out. Yeah. I'd recommend it. But, um, yeah, that's, you know, for people that are hodling DYDX or, you know, wanting to put something on their radar, this one might be one for you. So, good one there. Cool, mate. Well, I think we've covered off on most of the news today, but I just wanted to shout out something. So, SwiftX is actually, launching a learn and earn feature, which I think by the time kidding. this episode, yeah, mate, I'm not kidding. I think yeah. by the time this episode comes out, we will be live with that feature. So we've actually teamed up with the boys from Investified Hell yeah. to yep. launch a course on fundamental analysis. And what we're doing there is anyone who wants to learn about fundamental analysis and you know try and get a little bit more knowledge under their belt in that space can also earn a bit of Bitcoin in the process. So I think it's five bucks Bitcoin for doing this course. And you know it won't take you too long, just a bit of a read and watch a video and then do a little quiz. 
So yeah, exciting times, and and I'm super keen to team up with the boys from Investify because they're great lads, aren't they? Yeah, and it's great content too. I remember you let me have a little sneak peek at it. Um, Gave Pat a little treat. There's a, I think my favorite bit. There's that little tool that you can use to do your own fundamental analysis, little Excel sheet, the so, checklist. Yeah, checklist. So I think that was a pretty because that's. I mean, I've never actually written down some of the fundamental things that I look at, but I mean. I, was pretty much everything. Yeah. It's taken a process that seems complicated and really just making it pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not to say that this checklist, it should be the be all and end all of your your trading because a lot of it is subjective. Like, does this technology have advantage over its competitors? Like some could say yes, some could say no, but it should give you a pretty good idea of like where you're at with this project. Yeah. It just allows you to do more research before investing. Like I know I've been in the mind frame of just like, I just, I, I can't, you know, I get FOMO yeah. and I can't, I got to get in, otherwise I'll miss yeah. the pumps. So I think it just, it just adds a, another layer to your investing strategy. And I think it could be quite helpful for some investors. Good stuff, mate. I mean, keep an eye for that. Launching on yesterday. <laughs> when it comes out. Yeah. Nice. Saved it. <laughs> cool. Cool, cool, cool. Alrighty. Thanks guys. Uh, we'll catch you next week. Yep. See you then. Cheers. See ya. Thank you so much for joining us for today's show. If you liked it, don't forget to head over to the gram and join us at Tapping Into Crypto. And before we finish up, just a general disclaimer that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. And the opinions on this podcast belong to individuals and are not affiliated with any companies mentioned. Any advice is general in nature and does not take into account your own personal situation. If you're looking to get advice, please seek out the help of a licensed financial advisor. We'll talk to you soon.